Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Q. I'm Tom Power. When you're a kid, it's really easy to, I guess, overlook your parents or grandparents. What I mean by that is it's easy to forget that they had a full life before you came along. They have stories you don't know about and you'll never know about. Dreams that they'll never share with you. And sadly, if you do hear about that stuff, sometimes it's only after they're gone. That's kind of what this next story is about. Adrian Glynn is a singer and songwriter. He lives in Vancouver. He's a member of the great Canadian folk band, The Fugitives. And he spent years researching his Ukrainian grandparents. And he learned things that were surprising and dramatic and revealing. And like any good folk musician, he put them to music. Let me explain some of the lyrics there. So Adrian Glenn's new album, it's called You're Just a Place That I Know. It's about his real-life grandparents' journey from small villages in Ukraine to a refugee camp in Austria, eventually to Canada, which is where I reached Adrian. Here's our conversation. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on this record. I really love listening to it. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. This is... I've been in this project for, yeah, more than six years, I think. So what inspired it? Like, what inspired you to want to look at your grandparents' history? My aunt, uh, my my teta, teta is Ukrainian for aunt. My teta Genya, who lives in Toronto, she's the youngest of three sisters. And she's the one who knows my grandparents' stories the best. And we were in Montreal, which is where, where my uh, grandparents emigrated to and where my mom and her sisters were raised. And it was my grandmother's funeral. And I, w- I went to the graveyard to visit my grandfather's grave with my aunt and she started telling me like these different stories from from like their wartime stories which I had never really heard before and I have a terrible memory so I forgot all of those stories as soon as I got home and so a couple years later I decided like I'm going to call up Tetagenia and just record the call uh, and and just get her to tell me some of these stories again so that's what I did and then a couple of years later, I found myself at the Banff Center, staring at walls, trying to think what to write about. And I was like, I should listen to that recording again. And so that's kind of how it all began. When Before you talked to your aunt, what did you know of your, of your grandparents? Like, did, did, you, did you think much of their lives before you? I just knew little bits and pieces. So I, I was raised in Vancouver, and my my Baba and Dito, so that's grandmother and grandfather in Ukrainian, my Baba and Dito had emigrated to Montreal. And so I would, you know, I would see them every couple of years. They didn't speak much English, so I certainly wasn't hearing a lot of stories from them. But, you know, I, I got bits and pieces from my mom and, um, you know, how, how, my, how my grandparents had met and this and that, but, but never a ton of detail. I just knew that they had 
uh, met during the war, that they had fled Ukraine, but I just didn't know very many details. And it's it's one of those things. Right? I was just saying that in the beginning. It's like we we. Like we, we kind of have an awareness of our parents' lives before we were born. Like I think we have some awareness of that, but our grandparents, they just feel like they just they exist only as old people and they don't you know, like you don't they don't yeah. think at all about what they went through before our parents were born, much less us, you know? Totally. And and well one thing I thought about making this is because I have I have friends who are very close to their grandparents, right? But in Canada, I feel like it's especially common to have this disconnect like we live in such a massive country a lot of us live on the other side of the country from our grandparents and so so just like me you know see them every couple years uh there's a language barrier there's there's a geographical barrier and so there's this uh this disconnect which i think is really common story for canadian families so maybe we can we we can tell a little bit of your of the story here through the music. So on this album, we learned that your grandparents didn't meet in in Ukraine. I want to play the song on the record about where it happened. So this is after they're kidnapped by German soldiers during World War II. Take a listen. Glenn's uh, song from his new album called Dancing for the Soldiers. So pick up the story here. Like, where are your parents? Where are your grandparents in this song? What's going on? So the story of this song is the one that that started the whole record because I just, I liked this story. So my grandparents met in a, a displaced person camp, uh, essentially a refugee camp in Austria. And they came there by different avenues. My grandmother had been working as an indentured laborer in Austria for a German family there. She wound up in this camp. And my grandfather had shot himself in the hand to avoid serving with the Nazis. And at the end of the war, he ended up in this camp. So that's where they met. But the story I loved that my aunt told me was that my my Zito, my grandfather used to, he was a good Ukrainian folk dancer. And so he would uh, he would dance to entertain, entertain some of the allied troops and they would toss him uh, coins and cigarettes and he'd, he'd collect up all those cigarettes and sell them for, you know, so they could uh, get some rations in the camp. And I just, I love that story. And then um, I don't actually know how my grandparents exactly met, but the sort of, uh, the thing I added to it was that my my grandmother watches him dancing and falls in love with him, which is, you know, that's my little addition to the story. Well, talk to me more about that. Like the idea that you you didn't get to sit down and and talk to your grandparents about this. I mean, and even if you did, I mean, they, 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 you, you couldn't possibly be there for the whole story. In in making this record, you have to sort of balance what you know happened from or what your aunt told you and then sort of what you imagine Exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of taking these stories as jumping off points because I'm not trying to create a historical document, right? I'm trying to create a a song cycle. Um and so I would just take the the pieces of story that I found compelling and just try to to flesh them out and yeah, add my own spin to them. And one thing that informed this record was the last time that I saw my baba, which was in the Royal Vic Hospital in Montreal and she was sort of suffering from a form of dementia. And it was really interesting because we would flip through a photo album and every every man 
she pointed at a man or boy, she would say the same name. I don't remember. It was like William or something. She go and her face would light up with recognition, and she'd go, "Oh, that's William. Oh, that's William." Uh, but in Ukrainian. And so she was attaching memory to these faces, but coming up with the wrong name, obviously. And I was really interested in how a memory can be so clear and so specific, but also kind of broken in mm -hmm. that way. And so with these different songs on the record, uh, it's it's looking at memory in these different ways, how it can be sort of blurry, it can be focused. Um, and there's also a, a, the title of the album, which is You're Just a Place That I Know, um, that's a, that's a line and a musical phrase that repeats through the album. It's almost in every song, and it means different things at different times, sort of in the way that that memories mean different things at different times. And it just uh, it was interesting to think about it that way. There, there are some non-imagined parts to this. There are some facts in this story that really, um, really struck me. The story about is it your your grandfather gave himself a bullet wound in the hand to to avoid serving for the Nazis? Is that right? Yeah, that was one that I, I can remember my mom telling me since I was a kid because he had a scar and in between his knuckles, and uh, so I, I, as far as I know, the you know, the Nazis were were in Ukraine and and they were consigning people, or signing people up and uh, signing. That sounds like like hey, why don't you sign up? Yeah, no, yeah, right, yeah, I understand. <laughs> they were they were forcing. But yeah, I understand. Right? Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it wasn't super casual. <laughs> yeah, um, right, 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 right. And. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, so he, he shot himself in the hand so, they, so that he wouldn't have to go serve with them. Um, but beyond that, I actually don't, I don't know the details of where he ended up next or anything like that. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Coming up, more of my conversation with the musician, Adrian Glynn. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. So I, I, as the as the folky nerdy dude that you know I am, when I was listening to this record, I was I was really interested in how you told the story lyrically, of course. I was also really interested in how you told the story using traditional music and, and traditional folk instruments. I want to I want to uh, play a little bit. Take a listen. So I don't know um, whether people are listening to this, like are listening to it deeply through through headphones. But there's a lot going on right there. One is that I mean, I'll get you to talk about this. One is there's a, a choir there, choral singing, a major part of Ukrainian folk music and and, and folk culture, choral singing, uh, and and some instruments too. So, so talk to me a little bit about some of the traditional instruments we hear on this record, and a little bit of the traditional music we hear on this record. There is you're hearing bandura, which is kind of like a 
it's kind of like a lute slash harp, very like a classical Ukrainian instrument. I think it has 23 or 24 strings or something like that. Um, and there's, I think, one really professional level player in Vancouver named Ruti Yani. I was lucky to find. There's a balalaika, which is a Russian instrument, but my Baba gave me this balalaika and it's like 120 years old and uh, I still tour with it. So that that makes a special appearance under there. Where, where did he get um, the balalaika? Uh, my my grandmother got it from her Ukrainian neighbor in the 80s, and he was a really old guy then, and he had gotten it from a Russian soldier pre-World War One. So that's wow. how we know it's like at least 110 years old. I hope you don't put it underneath the plane. I hope you don't, you know. No, never, never. But I've been touring it like um, I, I play it in The Fugitives. Like that's one of the instruments I play in The Fugitives. And yeah. so it's toured all over. And uh, yeah, it's surprisingly like road tough for such a little little triangle guy. Did yeah. you did, did you have to learn any of this traditional music or traditional instruments to make this record? Uh no, I I just I hired um people. Well, actually I spoke to someone. There's a woman named Beverly Dobrinsky in Vancouver. She's kind of like an Alan Lomax of of Ukrainian music. She went around in the 90s around the prairies and spoke to all these old babas in uh in the villages like around Edmonton and stuff and she essentially song collected so she she they still knew all these songs from the old country and so she went around collecting their songs and recording them and so she's this fount of knowledge and so she was great to talk to she plays the hurdy-gurdy on on my record also known as the lira and she was the one who introduced me to ruta yani and introduced me to a choral director here in vancouver um and uh, yeah so she she was like a great resource to find here it must be meaningful to you to have all this ukrainian folk music on this on this record it's very special. It's it feels like it connected me to my grandparents in in a in a deeper way, almost in a way that I never felt while they were alive. There was something about digging into the stories and then and then hearing those instruments um, connected to their stories. It just I don't know. It just felt like connected to my blood. It just it's almost hard to put into words, but it's very special. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think it's a common thing that we hear on this show when we talk to folks who make records, you know, about their, about either their parents' experience or their grandparents' experience, or just like, I think any, any children of immigrants in Canada will often tell you that they sort of feel torn between two, two worlds and like the uh, Canada and their, and their, and their family's home country, like now and, and the past. Does making this record help you understand yourself any better? Like, do you, do you glean any new knowledge about your own place or your own self while making this thing? I, I think I do. Um, it's unfortunate that I didn't know my grandparents like as, you know, as people in the way that you, you know, have have like I have conversations with my parents and I know them so well. Um, I wish I had, I had known them that way. But in exploring these stories, thinking about how they met, thinking about them like having their first child and emigrating with her and, and, and these like personal things, which I'd never really thought about before. And you realize like, that's, that's my ancestor. And that's not even a distant ancestor. Yeah. It just, it gives me a, a little bit of a, a, a better idea of who I am. And I'm, you know, I'm often jealous of people who have a really great idea of their ancestry. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, kind of mystery and, and clouds in my ancestral line and feels like some of them cleared a little bit. So yeah, I think I, I, I do feel like I know myself a little better in that way. Did, did, has your family heard heard the record? What do they think of it? Yeah, I well, I played it all in demo form for my mom, and and she cried, and it was very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my 
my tete genia has has heard it as well actually i was sending her like demos as i was writing them and um and yeah she really loves it too yeah so they're i think they're they're pretty touched by it which is which is heartening we're going to play a song off the record right now we're going to go out on it it's called um montreal so uh can you tell me a little bit about it before we play it yeah so my my grandparents ended up in montreal they um they got out of the the refugee camp. They were on a boat crossing the Atlantic, headed for New York. But New York was, I don't know, full. <laughs> so they were like, "Can't get off here." So they, so they continued north, uh, and they wound up in Montreal. And my grandfather was a trained tailor, and he uh, he met some Jewish guys on the ship who. Uh, they said they wrote him a letter in French and they said, if you take this down to the garment district, um, they'll find you work immediately. So as soon as he landed in Montreal, he walked like 10 miles, found the garment district and found himself work. And yeah, ultimately they, they settled into Montreal. So this song is, is about them settling into the city, trying to figure out if the city likes them or not. And, and my grandmother constantly, because most of this album is from my grandmother's point of view. And, and so she's constantly being pulled back into her world of memories. And so that's happening in the song as well. Well, I'm excited people are going to get a chance to hear it. Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on and talking to us about this today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And the mouth, Montreal You gave us ground And we lay foundation So we can't play the full song on the on the podcast because of rights issues and all that. But uh, I, I, if you want to go to CBC uh, Listen app, you can find the full song on that as part of the interview. Or if you're listening to this in the U.S. and you don't have access to the CBC Listen app, uh, his new solo record is called You're Just a Place That I Know. The song is called Montreal from Vancouver. That's the singer and songwriter Adrian Glynn. Normally a member of the band The Fugitives, he joined me from from Vancouver. The other conversation we have up today uh, is from Drumheller, Alberta. Well, Jamaica to Drumheller, Alberta. Karen Robinson, veteran Canadian actor, now role of a lifetime, one of the stars of the new Canadian spinoff of Law and Order. She'll be here to tell you all about it. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.